mouth. So that's coming up. Uh, and now let me switch gears just a little bit. It is a delight for me to get to introduce to you uh, Dr. Jean Cheng Gorman. And uh, some of you don't know my background. I don't have a background in the Evangelical Covenant Church. Um, it worked out that I worked with a church in, in Sacramento that was part of the covenant denomination, and they kind of let this, this mongrel in. And I, I went to one of the first conferences, and I met Gene. And I know, Gene, you have no remembrance of that, but I, I sense that, wow, she is a person who brings together uh, a wisdom, a competence, a warm heart for Jesus, and a, a model of, of caring for pastors and, and leaders of churches. And since that time, that sense has just been fortified and reinforced again and again and again. And so when the thought came, when, when the possibility came about that we could get to have Gene with us this morning, I was all in. Um, Gene, I've not said this, but you've got fans in all of the churches where I've been, and so it's a delight to have you with this amazing, fun, uh, forgiving church family that... Um, puts up with Gustavo's terrible poetry. So, come on up, Gene. I personally thought that was pretty fabulous poetry. So, uh, how fun to be with all of you. So, I'm Jean Cheng Gorman. I'm a psychologist and pastor and serve our, the Pacific Southwest region of our denomination as the Director of Ministerial Health. And what that role entails is really growing a culture of health and ministry. So healthy pastors, healthy churches. Uh, on the intervention side, uh, this means that I oversee care for pastors and their families and serve as a consultant to churches um, in conflict or crisis or confusion. Um, on the prevention side, it means that I really devote a lot of time to resourcing our pastors and our um, churches uh, for the sake of healthy teams, uh, personal well-being, um, professional competencies. And somewhere in the middle of the intervention and the prevention side is working with churches in transition. Because oftentimes all of that just all comes together all at one time. And, um, and this really is uh, a season where all churches are churches in transition, right? This kind of emerging from the intensity of the pandemic has brought all churches to the place of being um, changed in how we do things, but um, all churches should also be thinking about why are we doing the things that we do? And it's a time for recapturing our unique mission uh, that God has gifted you to accomplish, to redeem uh, the land that you, in, into which you have been placed, right? So all churches are in, church, are in transition in some regard, but as you might have noticed, you, CWOW, are a church in transition in a specific way, in the sense that I think it's almost exactly a year ago when your pastor concluded, right? Almost exactly a year ago. And so you're going through a pastoral transition, and what I've experienced in working with churches uh, who are going through a pastoral transition is that there's really a range 
of emotions that come with that. Now, remember, I'm a psychologist, okay, so I'm going to say emotions a couple times today. So, but there's really a range of emotions. You know, there's maybe that initial sense of loss and grief, um, but then somewhere along the way, hope reappears. There's usually some confusion, some frustration, some anger, some disappointment, um, and some promise. And all of those emotions can get jumbled up all at the same time. What I haven't found to be true of churches in transition, uh, uh, experiencing a pastoral transition, is apathy. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to be called as a church into a somewhat emotional time of really um, being reformed and reshaped, recapturing who God has made you to be. So it's really a joy for me to be here on this Sunday in particular, knowing that you've just been through an elder-led series, um, looking at your values, your core identity, your history, um, and a little bit of you know where you're heading. It's my hope to facilitate that a little bit more today. Um, your, your elders uh, and Anne have been wonderful to work with, and it feels such a gift as well. And so they've all heard me say that as you're going through a pastoral search process, really one of the most important things is for you to know who you are and to know who God has created you to be, which increases the likelihood that you will call the right person to lead you into a new chapter, right? It's kind of like dating, you know? You got to kind of know who you are before you reach out to find somebody who will be with you, right? It's the same sort of thing to know who you are. And so this morning is really um, part of that process of trying to facilitate that process of really having a deeper sense of who you are, who God has called you to be, uh, and a little bit of where you're headed. Um, pardon my scratchy voice. I was in Sacramento yesterday at a volleyball tournament for my youngest daughter and um, left her there. They are two games away from being the top seed in the tournaments. I was super excited, but I have a terrible voice because I've been shouting all weekend. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. Um, so as we go through uh, this time, this season of uh, transition, um, it can feel really disorienting. And, um, and we've, we're going through a pandemic still. We've gone through the intensity of that, but it's also disorienting to be in that space. So it may be of some comfort to remember that this is kind of what life is about. And this is kind of what the journey of faith is about. So uh, the biblical um, scholar Walter Brueggemann says that spirituality is our walk with God through recurrent patterns of being securely oriented, painfully disoriented, and surprisingly reoriented. And so today in our conversation today, you might find yourself in the, being reminded of those spaces of being securely oriented in the ways that things once were, and the ways um, that you experienced being together, um, of being painfully disoriented, of some of the experiences you've gone through personally or collectively that have disrupted um, what uh, life together has been like. And then maybe surprisingly reoriented, the glimmers of reorientation. So today I'm actually not preaching, okay? Uh, we're going to have a conversation today. And actually it's mostly going to be a conversation amongst yourselves uh, and then as a whole group as well. So I'm just preparing you in advance that that's what's happening. I'll lead you through that. But uh, first let me just mention that there's a wonderful book by Wilkie Owl called The Enduring Heart, Spirituality for the Long Haul. And I really recommend this book um, just on a personal level. It's a really helpful book. Here's a description of this. Um, in middle age, 
People are overwhelmed by a yearning to abandon the trivial, to create a better self, and to begin living in relation to life's ultimate questions. Wilkie Owl offers here a warm guidebook for traveling the road of middle age. It acts as a type of AAA, spiritual AAA auto club, providing both a map for a middle life's journey and roadside assistance for those who find themselves stuck along the way. It's a wonderful book that um, leads you through different reflections and has um, different exercises. And um, with, the, with the overarching idea that God is with us throughout our journey. He's with us throughout our journey, wherever we are. And so that is spirituality for the long haul. And so even today, as we reflect on this time of transition that you are in, it's about the long haul for Seawall. It's about the long haul for Seawall, right? Not just this moment, but the long haul for Seawall. Okay. Um, One more quote from Frederick Bruckner that I think that Anne mentioned about a year ago now. Faith is better understood as a verb than as a noun, as a process than as a possession. It is an on-again, off-again, rather than once and for all. Faith is not being sure where you're going, but going anyway. It's a journey without maps. And we are in a journey without maps. And I don't know about you, but I don't like journeys without maps. Like, I, wherever I drive, even if I know how to get there, I have my Apple Maps on. <laughs> because I just want to know. You know, it tells me, in a quarter of a mile, turn left, right? Or it reminds me, you should have turned left a quarter of a mile ago. It helps me to reorient myself. I like having maps, knowing what the next step is and how to get there, knowing that I'm going to get there at exactly the right time. And unfortunately, other than when we're driving with Apple or Google Maps, and maybe not even the, you know, all the time with them. Life is a journey without maps, without knowing exactly what the next step is, exactly how to get there, exactly when you'll arrive there. It's a journey without maps, but not a journey without direction. Okay. So Wilkie Al, in this wonderful book, um, talks about the fact that it's helpful to have a compass for our journey. It's helpful to have a sense of a direction and a compass for our journey. In a chapter called Potholes and Possibilities, he refers to this compass, and I think that's a great description of life in general, is potholes and possibilities. So what he describes is a contemplative exercise to help us reflect on um, all of the different things that pull us and push us within our hearts. He says, a compass lays out in different directions open to us, all the different directions open to us, and its circular form encompasses the pushes and pulls within the inner self. And I think uh, we can all resonate with the fact that we have different emotions that push and pull us, right? Some of those come together and converge and may push us in a single direction. Oftentimes, however, those internal wrestlings conflict with each other, and we're pulled in many directions. So to help us clarify the direction that we need to move in to find greater healing, balance, wholeness, uh, I want to go through this exercise with you. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to rearrange yourselves into groups of about three. Okay, about three is like two, four, three, something, about three. Now, if you are a strong introvert, like I am, and you're thinking, oh, gosh, shoot, 
I want to encourage you to just do it anyway, okay? And you don't have to talk the whole time. You could just be in that group to listen. But I want to encourage you to just rearrange yourselves in groups of two to three. And we're going to have conversation in this group of two and three and with the whole group as well, okay? So off you go. Okay, thanks everyone. Thanks for gathering in a little small group here. And again, if, if you're a strong introvert like me or you just don't even feel like talking today, that's all right. It really is all right. I'd love for you to just be in community, uh, even to listen, if not necessarily to share. Okay? So what I want to do is I want to lead us through the four directions of the compass, north, south, east, and west. And I'll describe each direction, and each direction will have a few questions for you to consider. You'll consider them and, and share in your groups um, for a few minutes together, and then I'm going to ask for uh, a few of you to just share with the whole group some thoughts um, for everyone to hear. Okay? And, and this really is for the purpose of listening, not just to one another, but listening to God this morning with the hope that he would lead us and lead you into a direction of greater healing, of greater wholeness, of greater promise. Okay? So let me pray for us as we begin this exercise, and then I'll lead us through the first direction. So, Lord, we thank you so much for being able to be gathered as your children and as your servants, Lord. And as your children, Lord, I pray that as a good father, you would give good gifts this morning to each one who's here as your servant, Lord, and says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. As we reflect, God, we pray that the voice of your spirit would be loud in our hearts and in our ears, Lord. Make us attentive to the work of your spirit and attentive to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. So we begin with north, and north is represented by the north star. The north star is not actually the brightest star in the sky. The north star is actually the star that appears most, almost directly above the Earth's rotational axis. And so it remains fixed in a way, and everything else goes around it. So as we reflect on the direction of north, what is it that is that centering presence for you? around which everything else can circulate, around which everything else um, moves. Uh, perhaps that is your experience of God and of his character. Perhaps that is a word that he has given to you. Perhaps that is something that you have experienced recently together that centers your, um, your being through this time. Okay? No matter what season it is, that North Star guides travelers in the right direction of due north, and in the same way, through our difficult seasons, through whatever time of night it is, um, God is that north star to us in guiding us forward. So, I want you to consider the following questions. How have you experienced God's love during this season? 
What are the images, pictures of God or biblical scriptures that nurture and sustain us? Who are our spiritual guides and dearest partners that are shining prominently during this time? And now this compass exercise can be a personal exercise, and you can certainly take it that way. But I want to encourage you, because we're here gathered together as a community, as CWOW, that you would answer these questions as a collective body. You know, what, who have been your guiding spiritual partners um, during this time, CWOW? CWOW, how have you experienced God's presence as a community, right? So share with one another. I'll give you, you know, five, six minutes uh, to share with one another, and then I'll call you back to share with a larger group. You don't have to answer every question, but answer that general idea of, of that northern center. Go ahead and share.
All right, I sense that you could probably continue to talk for a long time in this direction, but I want to remind you that we have three more directions to go, and I know that you don't want to be here all day, okay? So, um, so I began to hear some stories as I walked around, you know, of God's presence in your lives, but I'd love to focus on the last question, uh, that um, I hope some of you had the opportunity to answer. Who are your spiritual guides and dearest partners that are shining brightly during this time? And so for those of you that shared within um, your circles on, on that um, question in particular, would you be willing to share that with the whole group? We've got a mic that can come around to you. Who's been some of your, shine, uh, your shining um, partners through this season of transition? Thank you. I think it's not on. Yeah, good. I was Anne. Um, and um, yes. just a deep um, gratitude for your uh, willingness to bear with us and mm. I mean, you know, you came on like part-time, this you're going to have, and then all of a sudden it was just you and your vision and your deep care and love. Um, you know, uh, one person was saying like, oh, it just felt like, oh, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, Gary, Gary stepped down. We're going to be okay because we have Anne. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. that sentiment is totally right and just a deep appreciation and that you have a vision and mm-hmm. I feel like you listen to God and you are ready to partner with God and, and unroll a vision that God has for us. And um, I think it's a picture of the kingdom coming. And um, yeah, so a lot of gratitude for you. Amen. Amen. Yes. 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 Thank you so much for getting us started. Other thoughts about your spiritual guides and partners through this season of transition, through this difficult uh, season? Hi, everybody. Good morning. I'm Lila. Um, And I just towards the end of my sharing was like a number of my spiritual guides are in this group right here and in this room. And I really feel like that's true. Um, You know, just having a couple of longtime friends that I was able to connect Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, that we're meeting with later on um, Mm -hmm. during this time has really, really helped me. Um, But also... um, like the saints, um, mm-hmm. the saints of old. And so mm-hmm. I've been doing the Ignatian exercises and yes. Ignatius and all of the folks, um, you know, in those materials, um, yes. have just been helpful reminders to focus on Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you. Other thoughts about partners who are walking with you? Hey, I, I didn't share this with the group, but what you just said, Lila reminded me of this. Um, when I go home to North Dakota, I always make a point of visiting the Catholic church, uh, the, the priest of our Catholic church in town. And he is out there. Like last time I had a conversation with him, I had to veer him away from talking about, um, the Masons you know, and his conspiracy theory about the Masons. Um, and he's told me things like, 
part of the reason the country is divisive is because of the women's liberation movement. And, you know, like stuff that's like, I'm like, okay, we're going to get back on, on track to what I, I came for. But he always leaves me with a jewel, like the exact jewel that I need. And so it's really interesting the way God is working through that relationship because mm -hmm. it's an easy relationship that I could just go, I am not going there with this man anymore. Mm -hmm. But there's always something that I walk away with that mm -hmm. just is the exact right thing God needed me to hear. Wonderful. Wonderful. I appreciate that you have that habit. Yeah. Any other someone from this side? Yeah. Hi. I'm Judy. Um, I think that in this season for me, it's, it has been a season of transition, personally and professionally, yes. and in this community as well. And uh, I think Pastor Phil has talked about like another conversion experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been kind of a season like that for me. Mm -hmm. And so for many in this room, close friends and the people who I don't typically talk to, um, I've come up to you, I think I've said, mm -hmm. do you love Jesus and why? Mm -hmm. Why do you follow him? Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so you have been my guides because mm. I think that answer hits at the core and yeah. that's really helped me and yeah. inspired me. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. One more from this side. Anyone want to share? There'll be more opportunities. We have three other directions. No worries. Uh, thanks for those thoughts. And um, I start with that question in particular because in a season of transition, we might be tempted to pull away and to pull inside, right, to distance ourselves. But if this is a season where we can really experience Emmanuel, God with us, in the form of human flesh in one another, whether it's Anne or other members of this congregation or a sage that you uh, visit, a therapist perhaps, um, those spiritual guides are uh, given to us in a season of transition especially so that we might experience God's presence with us, Emmanuel. Let's move in uh, another direction, um, the direction of the West. Uh, sunsets are beautiful, and I'm blessed to be able to live in Monterey, and so get to see a lot of sunsets by the ocean. I'm always um, just amazed at how many people are just parked on the side of the road, just watching the sunset. But there is something about a sunset that it's awe-inspiring and touches us, I think, because of its profound beauty and reminds us of the majesty of God. They are beautiful to behold, and at the same time, sunsets represent an ending. It is a literal ending to the day, but sunsets in general represent the closing out of a season. Right. And um, as I've worked with churches in transition, uh, I've just seen that there are so many endings for churches in transition. So many aspects of needing to let go, not just of the lead pastor, but oftentimes of the, of the a dynamic uh, that you've had together as a congregation un under the leadership of that lead pastor. Sometimes there's losses because people are mostly connected with the lead pastor as opposed to the church as a whole, and so those people leave when the lead pastor departs, right? Um, there's um, also just the endings of what was planned um, going forward, what had been talked about. So um, with an unexpected pastoral conclusion, as CWOW has had, there's often another layer of challenge or difficulty um, because there's a lot of unresolved issues, right? 
and um, unfinished conversations, right? Unfinished projects, incomplete goals, and a lot of mixed feelings usually. So um, because there's been an unplanned departure, oftentimes due to personal reasons or personal reasons came into play in some regard, um, there's a lot of mixed feelings. There may be a lot of compassion for the pastor, a lot of concern for their personal situation, and at the same time, some frustration and some anger, disappointment, betrayal. Um, all sorts of emotions come with the unexpected uh, conclusion of a pastor. And in particular, um, the concept of ambiguous loss, I think, is helpful here. So ambiguous loss is a term that's used within the grief uh, counseling um, realm or community. It was a term that was first coined by Dr. Pauline Boss in the 70s as she studied um, families of soldiers who went missing in action. And so she coined this term ambiguous loss in part to reflect the kind of experience that we have when there is physical absence but psychological presence, meaning the person is gone, but somehow their presence still kind of lingers in, the, in our minds and in our community, right? And when there is ambiguous loss, there's no closure, you weren't able to finish that conversation. You weren't able to address that thing that you were planning to address, right? Um, maybe the relationship uh, it didn't conclude the way that you wanted it to, and especially when a pastoral conclusion occurs after a period of a leave of absence, an extended leave, there is this sense of an ambiguous loss, right? Um, another uh, experience of loss that is so common for our uh, churches in transition is um, actually due to an ethical principle that covenant pastors are um, bound to uphold, which is the principle of courteous finality, which is a term that we never use in real life. But courteous finality refers to out of courtesy having a finality to the season of leadership that the pastor is concluding. Right. Uh, many times pastors, um, when they are thinking more maybe about their personal needs and think, oh, gosh, it would be just nice to stay in this community of friendships or whatever, and aren't really thinking it would be hard for a new pastor to come in and to have the old pastor present. And maybe, you know, they wouldn't say anything or be critical or anything, but it, the dynamic is still present where it's hard for people to think, well, that's not the way, you know, so-and-so would have done it, or that's not what so-and-so had planned to do, or so-and-so doesn't look very happy with this new, right? So all that to say, this principle of courteous finality is hard for both pastors and congregations and can result in a sense of ongoing loss, right? So as we reflect on the direction of the West, I want to encourage you to move in that direction of reflecting upon the collective experiences of loss that you've um, experienced, not just in this pastoral conclusion, but certainly through the pandemic and in your community as well. Some questions to consider are who or what needs to be released or ended, shed? Uh, what beliefs or attitudes or patterns do we need to die to or let go of? What am I holding on to? What are we holding on to that's no longer useful? Right. The direction of the setting sun, the things that are ending. So would you share in your groups? I'm giving you another five minutes or so, and then I'll call you back to share together as a whole group.
This is a conversation that requires more than six minutes, actually. <laughs> this direction in particular requires more than six minutes. But uh, I'd love to just simply name some of the things that you're perceiving that you recognize are ending or needing to be let go. And so I don't know if you even need the mic for this, but could we just popcorn the things that need to be ended or that you've, uh, or have ended, maybe not need to, but have ended or have need to be let go of? Or, okay, so let's start on this side. Some things, just name them. Phrases. Mm-hmm. Visions, yes. Yes, visions of past pastors, releasing those. Thank you. Others, things to let go of, things that have ended. (laughs) For those of you online, the belief that we're competent or know what the hell we're doing. Yep. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes, letting go, feeling like you're part of the core of the church or not the core of the church. Yeah. Maybe two more from this side. Yeah. Yes, yes. Letting go of the things that were planned, the ways that they were planned to be done, um, and retaining perhaps the core for the way forward. Yeah. One more from this side. Something to let go or has ended. The pandemic. May it be so. May it be so. (laughs) Thank you. How about this side? Things that have ended or need to be let go of. Yes. 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 Right. The pandemic did nurture that habit in us of starting and stopping and starting and stopping, right? But to let go of the inertia and the hesitation and to embrace moving forward. Thank you. Yes. Right. Yes, right, right. We can build, we can sustain, we can grow, but releasing the control is is a big one. Yes. Other things that have ended or need to be let go of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. 
Yes, it has been a great experience of community for you and for CWOW in general. But you're right, there are limitations to what community can do. And it brings us to a deeper sense of what God needs to do. Yes, right. Are there things that have ended, need to end, things you've had to let go of? Yes. Yes, letting go of deeply ingrained patterns, things that we don't even realize are patterns or expectations that we have. Yeah. One more from this side to let go of something that's ended. Yes. Yes. It is. Yes. 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 Thank you for saying that. If you didn't say that, I was going to say that because it's really important. It's a significant experience to have meaningful relationships and letting go of those relationships and those people are hard. It is hard to sit in church and think, they used to sit right next to me. right? And to find a way to let go of them uh, is a deep work and important to do. I want to ask if there are any questions about endings and letting go that would be helpful to voice um, as a community together maybe i have answers maybe i don't and this is maybe helpful to have a mic but go ahead Yeah, it's a great example. Thank you for sharing that, that you and Pastor Gary were planning something uh, for the cause of creation care. And there was a specific event planned that got derailed because of the pandemic. And what do you do with that? Because you don't want to let go of it. Because there was something placed in your heart that resonates with God's heart to do something. And But what do you do with that? These plans that were not uh, brought to you know fruition, right? It's a wrestling that I think is important for everyone and for you as a church to to wrestle with, honestly, to wrestle with God and say, I thought you were leading us to do this and we didn't do it. So what's that all about? Are you still calling us to do this? Are you still calling me to do this? And if so, how? And perhaps to let go of some of the promises that were part of what didn't happen to be able to embrace something new. It's a great example. Yeah. Other thoughts or questions around the idea of endings or letting go that would be helpful to bring up? The really difficult questions to ask is, is 
CWOW itself still made up of what it needs to be made up of to be successful, like to be an ongoing concern? Like, mm -hmm. you know, do we still have the pieces mm -hmm. and the vision and whatever to, to continue being a church? Yeah. And if we can't, like, can we let it go? Mm -hmm. Like, if we can't be the church we want to be, are we mm -hmm. strong enough to let that go? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be a church together. I'm just saying that that's like yes. kind of ultimately the big question, right? Is yes. Can we serve, do what God wants us to do here or right. not? Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, just having the courage to say that. Um, it is um, really the essential task of this season of transition of why are you still here? Who has God called you to be? Who are you now? And who's God called you to be? Can you live into that calling? And does he have a purpose for you? And if he does have a purpose for you, how do you live out that purpose? Um, that, this is actually why, this is actually why a season of transition like this is one of the most special times for a congregation because you are united in listening to God. And there's not that many times when a whole church can be united around one thing, right? But you are united in listening to God to find out who is he calling you to be and what is he asking you to do? And can you do that? Yeah. Another question. Might be helpful. Yeah, might be helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I think just the uh, abrupt nature of the yes. transition. Yeah. And then we were in a season where we were still kind of in this hybrid. Are we together or are right. we not together? So the usual coming together and kind of a corporate ceremony or marking mm -hmm. of milestones. Mm -hmm. I feel like we tried, we did it, did it the best we could. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if there's a... I don't know if other people feel like we need more of a marker or mm -hmm. something. And I think mm -hmm. this process is part of that, mm -hmm. of the coming together. But yeah. I wonder if there's a, like mm -hmm. a formal launch or a mm -hmm. closure event or something mm -hmm. just to help us cognitively yes. and emotionally move on. Yes. So I'm wondering about that. Yeah. I think it's really a helpful thing for congregations to symbolically let go of the past. And um, when it's an anticipated pastoral conclusion, you know, maybe there's a big party or reception and pandemic sometimes, you know, didn't even let that happen. That marks the conclusion of that season. Um, and if you are feeling the need to have something that you can use as that marker, I would encourage you to do it. And maybe it's not you know, big reception or party, but maybe it's some other symbolic way of offering um, the, the things that have been important to you about this previous season under Gary's leadership that you need to release, release back to the Lord. You're not letting go of it for, or him forever, but it's really releasing back to the Lord, right? In some sort of symbolic way, it can be really helpful for being able to move forward. Yeah. Um, tied to that, uh, I feel like it, there's, I don't know, in terms of moving forward, mm -hmm. we are trying to move forward, but I think there's still pain and, mm -hmm. um, and you know, because of the lack of milestone and processing and mm -hmm. whatever else, there's, there's, I, I feel like a part of our congregation, like, not like individuals, but like just emotionally and mm -hmm. like in essence is still like 
well, in shock. Yes. Even after a year. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we, how do we do those two things at once? Mm-hmm. Given where we're at, right? We're not at this point probably not going to stop mm-hmm. looking forward. Right. But there is a lot of un unmet processing, mm-hmm. un uh, kind of pain that hasn't been as a community that I don't think has been really addressed and processed in, a, yes. in, a, in, a, in an adequate way Yes, um, to help us know who we are today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then identify who we should partner with. In the yes. Future. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging that there are some amongst you who are carrying pain more significantly than others. And part of that may be um, needing more space to process. Um, part of that may be um, additional time. Part of that may be really wrestling with God and honestly being very raw with your emotions in the same way that the Psalms are very raw with emotions, right? Um, but you said something really important in, um, in recognizing that the church is going to continue to move forward. And yet, some will have a harder time with that than others. So allowing grace for one another and space for one another to be at different points in the journey is important. And as leaders, I think being able to um, hear from those who are carrying a deeper level of pain to um, really see if it's um, helpful to provide more collective opportunities for processing that pain uh, is, I think, going to be part of the way forward. Uh, like I said, this direction is not going to take five minutes or 15 minutes. <laughs> this is a conversation. This direction of endings is particularly difficult for a church in transition. And I want to encourage you to continue to have these conversations. Okay, But I want to uh, take something you said and move us to the next direction, which is south. Okay, South is the direction of sunny exposure of play and imagination. And uh, prior to becoming a pastor, I was a psychologist, and for a while I worked in a children's hospital, supporting the families in the neonatal intensive care unit and providing therapy to children in the oncology ward. And I always knew that a child was going to be okay if they could play with me. Even though they didn't have any hair, Even though they had an IV attached to them, nothing about their circumstances had changed. They were still in a very painful situation. But somehow they found the ability to not let that define the totality of who they were and to recover the ability to play. And so as a congregation, I want to encourage you to do the same thing, to be able to not allow the pain and the confusion of of, uh, transition to define the totality of who you are and to recover the ability to play. So in your groups, think about these questions. Where is your creative energy surfacing? Who or what do you long to be? What do you find yourself daydreaming about? Take five minutes or so and share that in your groups.
I think some of you were maybe stymied by this question. In thinking about play and creativity. And some of you are probably like, yes, play and creativity. Yes, that's where I have found life, right? Especially if you were stymied, like, what? What is she talking about? Play? Like, hello, do you not know what we have been living through? I want you to hold on to that image of the precious child in the oncology ward. No hair, IV in the arm, being able to play, right? God enables us to do that. Rather than sharing as a whole group, I want to combine this with sharing in our last direction of thinking about the east, uh, the direction of the sunrise, the direction of new beginnings. And this is one of the greatest promises of the gospel, that there is always a new beginning. There is always a new beginning with God. Um, and uh, whether that is on a personal level, you know, Second uh, Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Or whether that is a collective reality for all of humanity and all of creation, Revelations 21.5, he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Write this down. This is trustworthy and true. I am making all things new. The promise of God is that there is always a new beginning for us individually and collectively. And you are on the threshold of a new beginning because your pastoral search team was just formed. And so that's an exciting thing. Uh, typically, a search for a new pastor can take one or two years. But do not despise the day of small beginnings. It's an exciting thing that your pastoral search team has formed. Um, can I just see a show of hands for those of you who are serving on that team? Thank you. Thank you for devoting that time. Yes. Okay. Uh, everyone else who did not just raise your hand, could you raise your hand if you did not raise your hand? Okay. So all of you are on the pastoral search prayer team. Okay. The others are going to be searching or praying too, but there's two teams happening right now, right? It's uh, everyone is joining in prayer around discerning who God has prepared for you. But I want you to give you, I want to give you some time to reflect on this direction of the uh, new beginning uh, and uh, consider where are you being called to embrace something new as a result of this new season? What new energy or movement is beginning to emerge? What new gifts or relationships have emerged in this time? So take five minutes to do that.
Okay, and popcorn style, finish this phrase. A new, what are you anticipating? A new popcorn style. Tell me what you're thinking. What's, what's God doing in new beginnings in this congregation? A new Thanks for the tip. I'll start you off. A new pastor. That's going to be one. Okay. A new. <laughs> a true trip to Hawaii as a congregation. Hooray for play and spontaneity. In the back right there. A new. Yes. <laughs> A new emphasis, branching out, maybe soccer, yeah, gotcha. Okay, a new, a new, <laughs> yes, yes, okay. What else? A new, a new youth ministry, yes, a new, yes, yes. Yes, perhaps coaching others into social justice, a new calling in social justice. Yes, others, a new. A new cohort of 100 people to add to your congregation. Yes, or even 100 random people. That would be great too. Yes, yes. Lots of possibilities for new things. Lots of possibilities for new things. And um, I want to encourage you to be open to new things, right? In this season of transition, to be open to new things. Not to wait until you have a new pastor to be open. But in this season, to be open to new things, right? So um, Isaiah 50, no, sorry, Isaiah 43, 18, 19, um, says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. A new beginning begins with an ending. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I want to encourage you to embrace that. We're going to close with just a few moments of silence. And if you would, just close your eyes. And I want to ask you, as we've gone through this conversation, reflecting on the directions of the compass, what direction do you need to move in for greater wholeness, for greater peace, for greater promise? Is it the direction of the north, of more fully leaning into your relationship with God and others to center you? Is it the direction of the West of letting go and releasing? Is it the direction of the South of just embracing play, creativity, imagination? Is it the direction of the East of being ready and willing and eager for new beginnings? Just take a moment and just name the direction with the Lord.
So God, I thank you so much for each person here who has given their heart and mind and time to reflect on these uh, pushes and pulls within their hearts, Lord. Continue to reveal to them the places where they may be struggling. Continue to reveal the invitation to say yes. And so I pray for each one here and that, uh, for the collective body that is CWOW now and CWOW to come, that you would continue to lead them forward, God. We thank you that you are the, a God um, that doesn't need maps because you are the God who knows how to create a way in the wilderness when there is none, God. In Jesus' name, amen.